welcome to Talk Commerce, Black Friday, Cyber Monday, Giving Tuesday Bonanza. We'll have great episodes every day this week. Enjoy, and don't forget to collect your free joke. We've all experienced the feeling of a magical post-purchase experience and the lasting impact it can have on your relationships with brands. Consumers want more from their brands, and brands need more in order to deliver. We interview Russell Griffin, the CRO with Ohi. He has flipped the script for e-commerce fulfillment, transforming it from what is traditionally seen as a cost center into a growth engine. Brands join the Ohi platform to deliver powerful, fast, brand-focused, and memorable post-purchase experiences that enable them to grow. And now, your free joke. I accidentally drank a bottle of disappearing ink. Now I'm sitting in the ER, waiting to be seen. The Talk Commerce podcast is sponsored by Swift Daughter. E-commerce developers solve problems daily. In fact, some of those seem like mountainous hurdles that must be climbed in a matter of hours. Stress levels can go through the roof. No wonder the plague of burnout affects developers too. Ah, but there's a vaccine for that. Investing time in your career will take you farther than you ever imagined. Meet Swift Daughter. Swift Daughter exists to help you become the e-commerce hero that is indispensable and irreplaceable at your company. We do this through Magento Certification Study Materials and Joseph Maxwell's most recent book, The Art of E-Commerce Debugging. Go to swiftotter.com to learn more about how you can quickly climb the ranks in your quest to be a better developer. While you're there, use the coupon code TALKCOMMERCE for 15% off any digital goods at swiftotter.com. My name is Brent Peterson, and I'm your host. Please remember to subscribe wherever you download your podcasts. And now, Talk Commerce. Uh, welcome to sh- uh, welcome to Talk Commerce today. Today I have Russell Griffin from Shippo HI, I think is what his, uh, what his uh, email says. And I believe that's shipping O to Hawaii, right? Or something like that? Or is it shipping Ohio? No, it's actually uh, Ohio. So the, the company that I work for is called Ohi um, uh, Technologies. And Ohi is a Hawaiian word that means to pick up. Um, so our founder, when he first started the company a couple of years ago, um, uh, I think he fell in love with the word and the idea. He's actually um, a, uh, from uh, Great Britain. And so he thought that um, uh, he was going to be able to create like a pickup in store, kind of pickup at locker type service like is very common in the UK and and in Europe and the US, which um, hasn't quite on quite as much as uh, he thought it would. And so as he developed the service, he realized that instant commerce, um, which is what we do today, uh, which is two hour same day delivery for direct to consumer brands was the way to go. Um, and so he stuck with the Ohi name and um, here we are today. Excellent. All right. Well, uh, I've you've sort of given your introduction, but Russell, why don't you introduce yourself? Tell us your role and and kind of what you do day to day, and give us one of your passions in life as well. Sure. So, um, I am Russell Griffin. I'm the Chief Revenue Officer at Ohi. Uh, I am previously with ShipStation. I was with ShipStation for about five years um, as their sales uh, leader, sales and marketing leader, um, and then uh, previously with Big Commerce. Uh, for many years as their um, enterprise sales and um, agency partnership leader. 
Um, so my responsibilities at, at uh, Ojai include new sales, account management, strategic partnerships, um, and support. Um, so uh, passion. Um, so I have a couple of boys, and they both grew up playing a sport called lacrosse. Um, you might be familiar with it, given where you're from, Brent. Um, other parts of the country, not as much. But uh, in Texas, we started playing it a few years ago, and my kids both um, – really started to play it and loved it. And so I took over as the head of the uh, youth and um, high school lacrosse organization, which is in, in Texas is important because it's all parent funded. So I spent a lot of my time making sure my kids and the kids that play lacrosse have fields and gear and coaches and all that good stuff so they can play a sport. Oh, that's very good. Thank you. That's, that's, that's excellent. Um, and I didn't mean to say you were a ship station now, so I apologize for the intro part of it. Anyways, <laughs> Um, yeah, so it, we're, I'm in, right now I'm in Fargo, which is even farther north than Minnesota, but, um, yes, lacrosse is big, of course, hockey is king, um, but, um, any of those sports, and I, I applaud you for doing that. So today we are going to talk about shipping and fulfillment, um, what do you think is the number one challenge right now for a merchant in terms of getting something from A to Z, or even getting something from out of their warehouse to the customer's front door? Uh, well, I mean, I, you know, there are so many challenges. Um, you know, right now, the, the interesting thing when it, that we're seeing, um, unfortunately, is inventory constraints, um, which isn't really like a, a, a from a warehouse to a door issue. It's more of how do I get enough of what I sell into the right places and, and close enough to my my core customers to get it there efficiently and effectively, right? And maintain enough inventory so that I don't run out and um, you know, I, I wind up having to uh, close my online store for certain SKUs that are fast movers um, versus the other ones that maybe sit in the warehouse longer. So, um, you know, the, 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 the stats or the numbers that are coming out of the, the ports in terms of like the back, backed up inventory um, because of the lack of dock workers and other things to unload is, is really quite staggering right now. Um, and, you know, I think, all of us um, on the fulfillment side and, and, you know, as I speak to operations uh, directors at companies, large and small, their biggest concern is what happens as the volume ramps up for Christmas um, and, you know, the inventory constraints become even more acute. Uh, you know, will these, will these things kind of resolve as, you know, the, the, the current experience that we're living in hopefully abates even more. Um, but, you know, right now I would say that the, the inventory concerns are the, the number one thing I hear. Um, how do we get the right amount of inventory, the right SKUs, you know, in the right locations and keep it there so that, you know, um, uh, and, and get more and, and plan for more because things are constantly changing. Um, even, even in terms of like transport, right? Uh, you know, a shortage of workers on the transport side causing issues. Um, it's just kind of endemic right now. It's that, that movement of inventory and the, the keeping of the inventory supply chain moving, I think, is one of the biggest issues that we face that that is kind of new and kind of generated by, you know, unfortunately from um, uh, the pandemic uh, and will hopefully, uh, again, abate as the pandemic does um, and, you know, things settle down from hopefully what we will see as the last wave of Delta. Um, but, you know, right now, like dock times in L.A. are, are out of they're out of control. Um, so you know, that's probably the biggest concern. Yeah, I actually just heard an article yesterday about how the um, containers uh, are coming to the U.S. full 
And sometimes instead of shipping those containers inland, they're just shipping them right back to China empty. And the soybean industry, which is big in the North or in the Midwest, is being affected because they're not always getting a chance to fill up those containers. The, the, the shipping companies are deciding it's, it's easier and cheaper to send them right back to China without waiting to ship them inland to get them filled up and shipping them all, all the way back out. They need those that quickly. So I can understand all those constraints. And I think as a merchant, you feel, you feel out of control and, um, and you feel like you don't, you can't do anything about that. Um, what, what are you thinking or what are you seeing that merchants are using to get around some of those things right now? Well, I mean, that's one of the reasons that, you know, OHI is an interesting option for people um, or, you know, uh, other same day, like marketplace fulfillment type solutions like dark store, um, GoPuff, you know, on the, on the, on the like snacks and beverages side, like trying to get your inventory into locations where it's moving quickly um, uh, is uh, one option. Um, and then, you know, uh, really they don't have a lot of control. So, you know, um, trying to plan a as far ahead as possible for inventory requirements is becoming more important. Um, so, you know, turning up the operational efficiency um, inside of, uh, you know, fast-growing e-commerce co uh, companies is not always the easiest thing to do. Um, there's already operational constraints. Um, there's limited budgets. There are, you know, but especially at a fast-growing, uh, in a fast-growing um, e-commerce business where, you know, things are, are potentially doubling, if not more, on a monthly basis as their brand catches on. Um, getting really good operationally and having good partners to help you uh, is critical. Um, so, you know, again, like you mentioned, the containers um, you know, in LA right now, it's 60 days to unload a container. Uh, they have like 60 days lagging of, you know, they have boats floating in the ocean right now waiting to dock and unload. And they've been there for, for weeks. So there's not much you can do about that other than, you know, pivot a little bit, plan a little bit further ahead, um, you know, especially for, for the holiday season. And, if, you know, if you have SKUs that move faster than others, make sure that you're planning your orders accordingly. Um, and, you know, uh, it's probably better right now to little, to over-order rather than, than try to, you know, look historically to make sure that you have enough just in case. Because chances are once you get it, you're not getting a lot more real fast. Do you think some of the merchants that um, looked at or the, some of the merchants that were on, not online and then had to pivot quickly because of COVID – so they, they were able to do that. But I think there's lots of merchants with multiple stores that could be using some of that for their either warehousing or shipping, shipping, um, ship from your location or, or order online ship from location. Do you think that's happening a lot more nowadays? Yeah, it, and it's critical. I mean, you, you've got to be able to if you're a brick and mortar um, that now has e-commerce presence, you really need to be able to use that. Um, uh, as an online inventory location. Um, and I, I, I am seeing it more. It's one of the things that Ojai enables. We have several merchants that actually use uh, our platform for same-day pickup in-store um, and or uh, same-day delivery from store. Now, what's interesting about it is the, um, the logistics of that are more complicated than it, than it seems, right? So if you have... A network of brick and mortar and you're you're trying to either deliver from your store or have people come in to pick up 
you've got to train employees. Um, you've got to, uh, you know, you know, hourly retail employees on, on processes and procedures. You've got to like sometimes pick and pack things, um, which isn't necessarily the most, uh, uh, easy thing to do. Um, uh, it's not, it doesn't sound hard, but if it's not done right. It can create a bad customer experience or it just doesn't get done at all. And somebody shows up and there's nothing there for them, um, which obviously creates a bad customer experience. So thinking through that is really critical and not just taking for granted that you can just kind of start this up and do it. Um, you've got to pick the right technology for it. You've got to train your employees and you've got to plan for it a little bit. Um, but I mean, we have a, a fairly major brand that that actually does same-day deliveries using our, our platform out of their um, brick and mortars. And they're, they're clicks to bricks, so they started out online. So they're, you know, opening up um, stores now. And they're having success. But it definitely was a, a learning experience for them where we had to do some training and, and, you know, some operational preparedness for them that they didn't really anticipate. So, you know, you just you, – you absolutely want to plan for that, and I think it's critical – um, especially as as you know, in, especially with like LTL trucking as as it's it's not terrible, but it's it's less reliable than it used to be in terms of like on time deliveries and being able to staff and get the trucks out. Um, it is definitely much more tricky nowadays. Um, so being able to leverage back to your stores for inventory locations for shipment um, and even for in store pickup is is critical. So not to give us a sales pitch, but maybe a solution pitch on Ship Ohi. Tell us how the average merchant, let's just say they have two locations and one warehouse, and then they're big and big um big website presence, how your solution's gonna help them get weather some of these storms. Uh so I'll back up a step and just tell you how Ohi goes to market. I think that will help. So there's a new um, approach to warehousing. It's called micro fulfillment centers. Um, it's a couple years old. And, uh, you know, I think uh, it, that's a critical kind of secret sauce into what we do. Um, so we're locating the inventory closer to where your customers are. For example, we have a micro warehouse on 38th um, and 8th in Manhattan. Uh, and so we're actually fulfilling orders from the center, the city center out rather than from outside the city in, like most warehouses are, um, or, you know, the warehouse is sitting outside the city center because that real estate is cheap and then they're shipping all over the country. Um, and so we've got micro fulfillment centers in New York and Chicago and San Francisco and LA. Um, we've got Dallas coming online fairly soon, Seattle, um, Philadelphia and DC. So as we build out this micro fulfillment um, system, you are able to locate your inventory closer to the customer and therefore get it to the, the customer faster, whether that's a same day or two hour rush delivery service that we offer, or you're just doing it overnight. So not only is it faster, it's also less expensive. Um, so we've lowered the cost of like a two hour same day um, to be very palatable um, and to uh, allow for that like customer delight experience to happen. And really what we're doing is we're, al we're allowing direct to consumer brands to provide that to their customer as part of the checkout process on whatever platform they're using um, to get a two hour or same day delivery window um, or uh, a schedule a delivery window. So if, if for example, somebody's doing a subscription service um, and this is something that we, we've commonly seen and we, we built a solution for, um, you know, if you uh, have a subscription service and people are subscribed and then they go out of town and then you're delivering, you know, a case of health aid, um, 
you really don't want that health aid sitting on the porch for three days, right? It's a, it's a beverage. It's going to sit there. It's going to get warm. It's going to go bad. So we've got a technology that allows you to schedule within seven day windows, two hour delivery times, and really get more granular on when that, that product gets there. And so therefore raising your um, subscription retention, because what we've seen um, firsthand is that when subscriptions get delivered or misdelivered or come when somebody's not expecting it, they tend to cancel the subscription. Um, So, you know, uh, between the micro fulfillment and getting the inventory closer to the the customers, um, to the, your customers, uh, and um, you know, giving some more flexibility in the shipment process, uh, those are are two ways that we're helping merchants solve some of these problems. The other thing that we're doing uh, is that we're we're providing hub locations for inventory, so you can do like large truckload shipments to us. Um, we will store the inventory for you. And then we will manage the transport of that inventory into those micro-fulfillment centers ourselves based on skew velocity. So we know what allocation needs to be in the in, in our micro-facilities, and all you need to do is just get the inventory for it to us and forget about it. So we're helping taking some, take some of that complexity out of, of getting, like, this, this, like, instant commerce delivery um, service out to really direct-to-consumer companies that are – wanting to grow that portion of their business because as you're very well aware and everybody knows like there's so many different solutions now to buy someone's product you can go to amazon you can go to GoPuff, you can go to dark store you can go to fast af like there's you know you can go to walmart you can go to target like there's all these offerings and if you want to compete for as a direct consumer brand um even with yourself if you're selling through other channels you need to have these types of fulfillment solutions as an offering or people will just find it somewhere else and cost you even more money in the fees that you pay to these other vendors in, in shipping out your, your inventory. Would you say then that you, one of your main comp- competitors would be fulfilled by Amazon? Is sure. That, is there, are you doing this whole chain? Yeah. yeah I mean, I, I think fulfilled by Amazon and like uh, Amazon's, they have a same day service now for, you know, that they're expanding. Um, I would argue that that's complimentary. Um, in some ways, in some ways it's competitive. So again, you know, there's, there is a, a already a built out network of third party marketplaces that, you know, they they have spent a lot of money and a lot of time figuring out how to get products to people fast. Right. And they've got, they've got warehouses and they've got deep pockets and, you know, they're willing to uh, lose a little to, um, you know, t- for market share. And that's been going on for a while. What What we're doing is we're trying to, Take that same mo- we're taking that same model and we're putting it in the hands of the brands themselves and saying, we're going to be your service delivery partner that allows you to say, I can operate at a high efficiency level. And in, in these locations, I can get product into somebody's hands within two hours or, you know, eight hours, depending on the service that you want. And I can do it efficiently over and over again at scale. Um, and so I can still put my products out into marketplace distribution with Amazon and all these other places where people expect to get them fast and accurately and every time. But I can also offer that same service on my website as people are checking out. So instead of spending money on driving somebody to my site to say, wow, I really like that. Um, I wonder if they have it on Amazon. <laughs> you say, wow, I really like that. I'm going to check out. I'm going to get it in two hours and I'm going to be you know, super excited. I'm going to keep buying from these guys. Um, that's really the vision that I have for what we do. Um, but that doesn't mean that a, a merchant shouldn't also look at those other strategies. They should be uh, in FBA if that's part of their strategy. 
um, they should be, um, you know, looking at a, a Target or a Walmart if that if their if their product fits in that um, kind of dropship scenario. Um, they should be, uh, you know, uh, looking at a dark store or uh, a, the, the fast AF or GoPuff model if that makes sense for them. Um, but they, you know, you really need to be developing all those channels right now to be as successful as possible, especially as your brand grows. And we're seeing that, like. You know, Juneshine is a good example. It's one of our customers. We work with them. Um, you know, they started with us. Uh, they kind of went viral and started to grow very quickly. They're a, a, a kombucha wine brand. Um, and uh, before you knew it, they were in distribution. They were doing, you know, um, other things that alcohol companies do to get out into stores. Um, and it was additive. It was did not take away from what they were doing online. Did you say kombucha wine? Yeah. Sounds sounds interesting. <laughs> well, they're, they're a kombucha brand, but they're classified as a wine. Ah, okay. So alcoholic kombucha. Yeah. 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 Got it. You should check it out. Um, okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, so uh, really, we're, we're helping merchants uh, to get as many different choices as possible out uh, to fulfill and help the customer get or have a good experience. I can say from my own experience, um, I am sometimes hesitant to go with a relatively unknown um, brand and then choose their shipping and hopefully get it in. You know, sometimes they'll tell you, we'll get it to you in a week. Sometimes they don't tell you when they're going to get it to you. And I think that uh, what certainly what prime shipping has done to the shipping market is people now expect two days for free and some people will pay two days for X, but I think it's even worse if you can't if you're kind of if you're kind of hoping to get it, you know, two days, and and suddenly it doesn't come for a week. Right. So it sounds like part of what you're doing is helping to get those um, shipping locations closer to where actually people are, and then you're able to fulfill it faster. That's that's right. I mean, it's the, it's the same thing that Amazon's done. They just do it in more traditional warehouse. Uh, with a more traditional warehouse approach, you know, I mean, I, we've got a giant Amazon warehouse right outside the city in Austin that serves our our area, um, and they do some same day shipping. It's kind of interesting because what I've noticed when I order from Amazon, um, being in the Austin area, is that sometimes I get it like way faster than I expect it. Right, I rarely get it longer, um, you know, and they do a good job of updating me through the process. So the expectations, and we've been talking about this for a while in e-commerce, are, are being set by Amazon, and everybody else is just scrambling to keep up. Um, so, and I see a number of fairly poorly constructed checkout experiences, um, which is interesting because all the research shows that conversion happens at the point of picking shipping, and that the biggest drop-off is if you don't have the right shipping options for people. Um and so, you know, it stands to reason that the better shipping option you have um, and the more confident, you know, it, it's, first of all, it's got to be the right price point to some degree. Um, you know, we, I've seen research from, from certain um, folks that says, like, it's, it's fast, but it doesn't have to be free or slow and free. And I don't know that that's true. I think it's becoming, like, cheaper free um, for everything. And that, again, that's being driven by Amazon pricing, right. And how Amazon does it. So, you know, one of the things that we're able to do by getting the inventory into closer locations is to lower that cost, allow 
merchants to run promotions and, and be able to legitimately offer free or very low cost same day delivery. Um, and, and so people are more likely to check out They're They're about right now across all of our brands are about 30% more likely to repeat purchase. Um, so your repeat purchase goes through the roof when, when you use our services or services like this, um, because they now have confidence that if they order, they're going to get it fast and it's going to come. And you're hundred percent right. Like I, I always relate these things to my own shopping experiences online, um, and how I feel about them because, you know, uh, I, I do a quite a bit of online shopping, and if I'm checking out, I mean, I, this has happened to me recently. I was checking out on a on a very custom item that I was looking for for somebody's birthday, and I got to the checkout, and they had just the worst shipping options. Um, and I'm like, oh, I wonder if these guys are on Amazon. Looked them up, Prime, boom, two days later had it. Now, how much did that cost the merchant? I mean, it's very expensive. You just advertised to me, got me to your website, took me through to the, the cart, and then lost me to Amazon, who's charging you money to store their products and ship it for you. So wouldn't it be much better if I could have just said, oh, same day, I can get it this, I can actually get this birthday present today for six bucks, done. And my propensity to check out there is going to be just infinitely higher. Um, and I've, lo- I've walked through some checkout processes recently with some companies, and I, I'm you know shocked that anybody ever checks out. I've seen you know, $120 same day um, for a $20 item displayed. <laughs> you know, I'm just like, what are you, uh, you know, and these are the things that that consumer, uh, direct-to-consumer brands really have to think about. And, and it's, you know, look, it, it, these are entrepreneurs that are growing, have fast-growing businesses, and it's hard to, like, keep track of everything that you need to do. Um, and sometimes you're just growing through uh, word of mouth and volume, and people are, everybody's picking that $5 UPS third day option. And you don't even realize if you had something better um, and something cleaner on the checkout that your conversion could double and you could be, be growing even faster. Yeah. My, my advice to all merchants is number one, test, see where people are dropping out. You can, there's so many tools out there, no matter what e-commerce platform you are using, test that process. If, if you see a lot of traffic and then suddenly they're stopping in the cart, Figure out why are they stopping in the cart. If they've registered and then they go to the cart, see why they dropped out. If they registered and they dropped out, uh, contact them. Use your cart abandonment. There's so many things that they that merchants miss out on. And you're exactly right. It seems like the smaller the merchant, the more the less they worry about that part of the process. And that part of the process, I can't stress for any merchant, is the most important part. Um, I can, I can also, I, I have a great experience that I just saw an advertisement for some, you know, some kind of gel thing, you know, you're using for running or, and, and I, I said, Oh, they have a sale. So I clicked on the sale and I, I'm pretty sure I clicked on Facebook. So they had to pay for that ad on Facebook. And well, now I'm also going to get inundated with all these ads. So I'm, I'm a little bit depressed that I've clicked on the ad, but re- regardless of that, I clicked through the ad. I got through the I actually registered because they wouldn't give me a shipping quote until I registered and I got all the way through the cart and then they wanted eight dollars for shipping uh, and I'm like, wow, you know like the whole thing that's they, they they wanted a third of the cost of the everything for shipping and honestly if you know if it was twenty four dollars uh, with shipping, I would have paid I would have paid if they would have said free shipping and it was twenty four dollars I would have finished checking out. I wouldn't have thought second a second about it. And this is a bigger company. This is not even a small company. So I think everybody has to analyze that. And I can't stress more that people should be checking 
and testing and reanalyzing and A-B testing their checkout process all the time. Yeah, 100%. And I mean, you know, it really depends on how serious you are uh, about, you know, an online sale versus, you know, driving somebody to buy it in in the store. Um, You know, because bigger brands might, you know, say they want people to check out and then, you know, really ultimately because of whatever reason, they really want people to, you know, go into the store and buy it. But um, if you're if you're not rationalizing the price people are willing to pay for shipping for your product with what they're doing on the, in the checkout process, you're missing a huge con- conversion lever. And and the bottom line is, is, is expensive. Like the biggest cost for a, an online business is shipping. Like that's where they're, I mean, that's what operational costs. That's where it all, like all their margins and everything that's, you know, um, where it can start to break down if you're not doing the right things. Um, so I understand why, companies want to cover their costs there. Um, but at the same time, and so, you know, there's a balance. There's like trying to figure out what the right cost for the item is that will get people to convert on the site with the right shipping options. It's, it, as you said, it's a constant test and measure type exercise. Um, you know, it, it, what I see ubiquitously right now is that pretty much every website I go to says, Free shipping over a certain amount of purchase, right? And that seems to be working, um, but it's also kind of simplistic. It's easy. It's not, you know, are you, you need to think through that maybe even more. Um, and really, like you said, look at the data that's coming through the other end because it's it's available and figuring out, is that working? Is that, you know, how much is that costing me? Do I need, can I lower the price a little bit of, of you know, free shipping? Um, if I'm offering free shipping, through UPS third day, is it really actually getting there in third day? Am I having customer satisfaction issues with that? Um, especially if you're like doing subscription orders and everything's coming like through FedEx or UPS. Uh, I mean, y- y- you want to retra- retain those subscriptions, not lose them because people are having bad experiences, not getting or getting your product, not when they expect them or, you know, whatever it might be. Um, and we see this a lot on the, um, uh, the subscription side. Um, because there is really just like today, there's very little control over when it actually arrives on a subscription. Other than that, that renewal date when the order hits in the system and then the shipping process is started. Yeah. So going back to um, uh, Ship Ohi, uh, what what are you seeing uh, for integrations with other platforms? How 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 is a, how would a merchant get started? Um, yeah. So I mean, we've got a pretty open set of APIs. Um, we integrate uh, seamlessly with Shopify. Um, uh, we have Magento customers. We have uh, a big customer, uh, big commerce customer that's coming online. Um, we're about to to launch our Shopify app, um, and I think the fast follow with the, for that will be either um, Big Commerce or Magento, if not both, um, in f- fairly rapid succession. Um, and then we have custom platforms uh, that that um, have tied into us. So home, you know, you know, custom engineered platforms for some mid sized brands um, uh, that we've had to develop our um, order logic to, uh, to um, accommodate. Um, so for, you know, your standard SaaS platforms, um, it's pretty easy um, for, you know, your custom platforms, there's a little bit more work and sometimes there's work on the customer side, the, the client side to do. Um, but, uh, you know, we've actually found it only to be a few weeks worth of work and we've got a couple of fairly, you know, decent sized customers up with custom platforms as well. So, you know, in, in, then we've, we we you know we play well in the sandbox as it were with other fulfillment. So if you've got a three PL that you're doing your standard shipping from, um, we set up the order logic to make sure we're pulling the right orders and we're not double fulfilling. 
Um, we decrement inventory from whatever system of record you're using on the inventory side, whether that be your platform or a third party. Um, you know, all the things that you need to do to um, run a smooth operation, we've you know, we figured out um, and made it pretty easy to get set up. I mean, it, that's critical right now. Like, you know, the, the one thing that I've seen, um, you know, when I started at, at Big Commerce uh, <laughs> years ago now, um, was just the 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 rapid progression of integration ease in the e-commerce space, which has made it easier for merchants to grow and take advantage of more more advanced technology. Um, for example, at ShipStation, you know, we did a NetSuite integration that was really nice and really helped a lot of merchants um, be able to step out of the QuickBooks, you know, into a more robust um, ERP and still maintain the same shipping. Um, like uh, excellence that they had because they really liked using ShipStation and it really helped their operational excellence and they help, it helped them succeed. Um, and to be able to marry those two technologies together and bring that solution to people was really important. And I think the same thing exists here where we've got to, you know, we're, we're working with Recharge and CartHook and other technologies to build like these seamless integrations where all of this can happen, like somebody can, Uses you know check out with a subscription and use our schedule delivery or somebody can do a post purchase with with card hook add a product and it goes to our, it goes back into their shopping cart and we did, we bring it out same day um, all those things are are happening as we build solutions for merchants to to grow their business yeah oh, it's good um, the um, you mentioned Hawaii earlier how does that fit in for um, merchants that i'm assuming most merchants target the the 48 states for their free shipping how have you seen people kind of try to loop in hawaii and i guess what i'm more interested in if you're a merchant in hawaii how do you compete against the rest of the country oh man that's a that's a great question and i you know i don't know that i have a great answer um having been to hawaii a few times uh i will tell you that Things on that island are pretty self-contained. Um, you know, they have, and it's expensive uh, to get things there. So everybody, everything's more expensive when you go to Hawaii. Um, if you're buying off-the-shelf uh, items, for sure. Uh, and so, uh, and there are, there, we. I have worked with a couple of Hawaiian merchants, and a, a lot of times what they do is they end up with, like, a U.S.-based fulfillment provider pretty quickly because they've got to get their inventory from, the islands onto the mainland or it's just too expensive for them to, to, to operate. Um, so really it's finding the right partnerships, um, you know, and if you're, if you're, you know, everything's driven by customer demand. And um, as much as I love Hawaii and I do, it's not a very big market. So, you know, it depends on how many orders you're getting. Um, if you're seeing enough orders uh, uh, come in um, from Hawaii or you have some product that appeals to, um, uh, to that, uh, that state for some reason, um, then, you know, you, you really want to figure out with your carrier uh, what options you have to get products there uh, accurately, number one, but also maybe less expensively. And some carriers have some options in Hawaii. I mean, they try to treat it like any other state, but not, they can't always do that. I mean, Alaska is in the same boat. Um, people forget about poor Alaska. Uh, you know, Anchorage is a pretty big market. Um, and, uh, you know, it's growing. And again, I've been to Anchorage a few times. And one of the ways they solve that problem is just to, you know, import goods and they're more expensive. The other way is they have a lot of their own homegrown things there that they, you know, that are kind of local. They're much more 
local focus than many of us are in other cities um, in the contiguous. Um, that is also very true in Hawaii. Um, so, you know, they, they, they kind of build their own solutions there. Um, you know, and, and I've, I bought a few things from Alaska and it's expensive to get it. I mean, it just costs more money. Yeah, I guess it's expensive to make hockey sticks in Hawaii <laughs> as well. So there's probably not a big market for that bigger in Alaska. Yeah. Um, how about international? You mentioned Alaska. They could probably they can get things from Canada. Um, you know, you it's just cross border at that point. Or, uh, but are you working at all, say, in Mexico, trying to get things from the U.S. to Mexico? Not yet. Um, we will be. I think uh, you know the the idea of the micro warehouse is um, you know it's it the good news on those is once you find a location, it's it's not as complicated to get it up and running as it is say like a, you know, a, a major, you know, warehouse, a, a 3PL size warehouse or, or larger. Um, and we have a model that's very uh, uh, easy to replicate and train on. So international expansion will come. Um, you know, I, I'm fascinated by some of the things that are going on with uh, uh, Mercado Libre with big commerce and ShipStation and some of the partnerships that are starting to form. Um, it's, I think it's going to be really cool. And those are big markets, um, to, to access, um, you know, Mexico and South America. Um, and they've typically been kind of closed off, um, from North American, um, trade because, you know, it's the, mainly because of logistics, logistics in, in those countries is a little bit more tricky than it is in the U S for example. Um, so the fact that Mercado Libre kind of like runs it all, um, you know, is going to help, I think, allow us, um, merchants to get into, um, South American um, and Central American markets and vice versa. I think it'll work both ways. Um, although they've had a little bit less trouble getting here than we've had getting there. So um, I'm hopeful. I'm really, uh, you know, I was, as I was um, transitioning out of ship station they were working on that Mercado Libre uh, partnership. And I really was excited about it for them. I think that's a great thing for, for everyone. Um, and then I noticed that big commerce did, did something as launched something recently as well. Um, and so, you know, partnerships like that, I think, are going to be really cool to unlocking um, those markets and helping, you know, the Americas and trade with each other more freely, which I think is a good thing for everyone personally. Uh, and, you know, um, doing it more digitally than ever before. Uh, and I, I, I anticipate we'll be in you know, a Mexico City or uh, a Buenos Aires, um, you know, within the next couple of years as we expand. Yeah, and I think there's a lot more opportunities for Mexican merchants to move into the U.S. Uh, just because the, I think what we're talking about, the U.S. market is much more mature in terms of shipping and payment. So we're we're also a partner with Mercado Libre slash Mercado Pago. And for those listeners who don't know, Mercado Libre is like the the eBay of Latin America. They're huge. Uh, they're huge uh, in terms of a marketplace, and they also have a payment, which is Mercado Pago, uh, and that that is sort of the benchmark of what people had traditionally looked at when when uh, when trying to sell something or in a marketplace trying to sell something. Um, but I think then that merchants look at the U.S. and they look at partners like Ship Ohio or ShipStation or all these other. The, the the partner network is much more mature in the U.S. and it's I think it's easier for a merchant to come north than it is for us as Americans to go south. And especially trying to understand how difficult the payment system is and how difficult and expensive it is to ship things, even in within Mexico. The 
the idea of um, free shipping, I know that Amazon is pushing that in Mexico. There's Amazon Prime for Mexico. Um, but it's uh, from a mer- and the products are more expensive because they build that into the cost. Mm. But merchants aren't looking at at that at all. I think in Mexico right now, I think that merchants in Mexico are still just hoping their product gets gets to the consumer. Sometimes, <laughs> yeah, especially in, um, in Central America and South America, where infrastructure is less reliable. Um, no, that's part of the issue. Uh, but the the cool thing about Mercado Libre and those markets that it serves, and it's huge. I mean, it does the logistics, it does the delivery. Um, and it knows how to operate and get products out the door and to people's, um, you know, well, I'm going to say door twice, to people's doors uh, from the, the warehouses that they operate. So, uh, you know, I was, carrier operations in Central Mexico, Central and South America, like with UPS and FedEx are dicey at best um, and unreliable. Um, I'm sure Amazon's going to do a fine job because they're, you know, ninjas at getting this done. But Mercado Libre has got it solved, right? And so partnership with those guys to get products from North America into into those markets, I think, is a really great um, way to go. And you're right. I do think you'll see more. Um, and, and I think you have seen more like uh, in from Central or, you know, Mexico, Central and South America into the U.S., um, you know, obviously because we have a big consumer uh, we, we have a, an appetite for products. Um, and so, you know, it's easier to sell here. Yeah. And I, I, you know, from experience talking about logistics, I had a, I, I was on site in Mexico city talking to a customer who was, uh, they, they manufactured, um, the bottles that you put shampoo in and things like that. They, they had, they had a specific manufacturing line, um, but at some point, at some times, it was more expensive for them to ship containers north going by truck across the border into L.A. than it was for bigger companies to buy them directly from China. Because of the logistics, you know, the lack of rail network, uh, everything goes by truck. And especially if you're all the way down south in south, southern Mexico, getting that, getting those materials up, sometimes it's cheaper to get them all the way over to the West Coast on into a boat and then up to Los Angeles. Um, so I think we don't understand sometimes in as Americans the logistical problems that that happen within the South American countries. And I should I should note that Mexico is part of North America, and they do get offended if we say America. We're not America. We're all Americans. <laughs> I don't want to offend anybody. <laughs> And then there's the, the Canadians really don't like it when we say America. They get they get very upset about that. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Canadians are they're in a different league. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. So I mean, infrastructure is, and you know, I think it's a good point, and people don't think about this. Like, water is the cheapest way to transport goods. Um, it's one of the reasons that America, that 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 the United States of America um, is. Uh, it has been able to grow like it has because we have really, really good waterways. Like the Mississippi River is really important for us. People don't think about it, but th- the transport of goods on the Mississippi River is how this country was built. Um, so, you know, Central uh, Mexico, um, Central America and South America don't have that same kind of infrastructure advantages. Um, and you're right, it can be more expensive. But, you know, that back to Mercado Libre, like I just I'm really impressed with what, uh, you know, I saw some of their operations and talked to some of their folks and, you know, they, they're, that's a, a cool company that I, I was really impressed with. Yeah. And uh, um, just to be more impressed with Minnesota, we're the end of two very little inland shipping 
ports. Number one, the end of the Mississippi shipping, yeah. and then the uh, the Atlantic Ocean shipping. We have the farthest inland port, and we get uh, one thousand foot uh, one thousand foot boats coming into the harbor. Uh, so anywhere from anywhere in the world, what? and I know that um, uh, Duluth, where where the shipping port is, um, didn't upgrade fast enough for their container shipping. But they do get all those big uh, windmills. The all the turbines come in from the Netherlands into the port of Duluth, and they're they're trucked across the the northern part of the U.S. Anyways, um, so you know we have about ten minutes left. What what are you doing? What are you reading nowadays to kind of keep yourself up with commerce and and fulfillment and things like that? What what are you used? What do you what are you reading? What are you listening to to kind of keep yourself uh, up to speed? You know, um, transparently, as the as the sales leader for Ohi, I am talking to so many merchants on a regular basis that that's what keeps me up to speed more than anything. Um, is actually talking to people who are doing it. Um, I am, you know, I, I, I enjoy reading. Um, uh, one of the most recent books I read was called Blitzscaling, which is a really cool book about growing a startup business um, that I got some some nuggets from. But I've always been somebody who is more interested in practice and looking at what's actually happening on the ground than reading about it in a book or online or, you know, even even some of the... Articles that I read when I look at, at some of the publications that are out there for e-commerce or just LinkedIn articles that I'm looking at. I mean, I'm, I'm always scanning LinkedIn for things. Um, I think that's a really good source for me, just like in real time to, to see like what's going on and what people are talking about. Um, doesn't always match what I'm hearing and the problems that I'm seeing like on the ground with merchants. And so, you know, what's most important for me, especially as a sales leader and somebody who's also involved in operations and support um, is to understand what the real issues that, that merchants are facing from talking to them and asking questions and and trying to solve them in real time. And there's no better source of information to talking to the people who are doing it because I'm always I'm 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 two things when I talk to an entrepreneurial person who's growing their online business. I'm I'm uh, envious and I'm fascinated. I'm envious because I wish I was the one that was doing it. I was the one that I had the the gumption, the get up and go, the risk tolerance to go make it happen. Um, and, you, you know, I'm fascinated to learn how they're doing it because everybody's got a little bit different thing that they anchor on. Like we have we have clients that are really, really, you know, very focused on after purchase texts. Like what, what messaging am I sending them after they buy? Like how do I engage them? And then we have people who are very focused on the checkout. Like how does my checkout look? How does it feel? How did... You know, and then we have people who are very focused on their product pages and merchandising. So it's 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 just all over the place and different things work for different people. And I'm very, very interested in hearing from founders and from the employees of companies that are growing fast, that have caught traction, that have seen, you know, 100 percent increases in, in, in sales within a three to four month window um, just to find out how they did it. Like, what was it luck? Was it timing? Was it a little bit of both? Like, was it messaging? Like, what do you think is, what do you think the reason that you want is? Um, because you'll get some some nuggets out of that. Um, I'm very much a scanner of information um, from the, the like the LinkedIn network. And, you know, because that's another place where I feel like people will, will in real time kind of put down what's going on with their businesses, 
Um, you know, what's happening? What's the latest and greatest? What did they just learn? Um, and that's really the best way because a lot of times you'll read publications or books or even online things that are, you know, if they're two months old in e-commerce, sometimes that's, that's just old information. <laughs> it doesn't even work anymore. Or, you know, you've seen three merchants that tried it and it didn't work. I mean, it's kind of amazing how fast things go still. Uh, I mean, when I think about this, I figure we're, we're really only eight to 10 years into the age of e-commerce, um, the way that we know it today. And that's not very old. Like it's, that's a baby. It's still, we're, we're still toddlers and, and, you know, the, the pace with which integrations um, to platforms have grown and, you know, new products have emerged and it, it's become more user-friendly and smaller versions have been able to use more um, important and impactful tools that used to be reserved for the, the giant companies that were doing online commerce like Nordstrom or some of these other, you know, big smart companies that have figured out e-commerce um, uh, as part of a, you know, um, a larger organization has just been amazing to me. And so you really kind of have to stay up to it in real time and talk to people and talk to merchants and, you know, talk to companies of all sizes that are doing this and trying things and, and really understand what's working for them and what's not. And that's how I keep up to date and, and how I help companies who are, are trying to build or grow um, when I'm making recommendations or I'm helping them design solutions or I'm, you know, telling them, Hey, you should use this product over this product. Um, which happens on a fairly regular basis so that I stay confident um, that I'm pointing people in the right direction. Yeah. And I think one lesson that it, from, from, from what you just said, a takeaway for a merchant as, or an entrepreneur, especially is work, spend time working on your business, not just in your business. If you're caught up working for your business in your business, then you're going to miss out on those bigger picture things that you have to pay attention to. Just like you said, pay attention to your shopping cart, pay attention to what behavior of your clients, listen to them. Uh, there's so many things that, uh, that busy entrepreneurs miss out on because they're caught up in working for their business or in their business, however you want to describe that. Um, if you had a, a, a nugget you could tell a merchant right now, what would you tell them? A bit of advice. Uh, I, I mean, selfishly, I'm going to say you need to you need to be evaluating fulfillment um, options and services and on a on a daily, weekly, monthly basis based on trends you're seeing in the market because it's going to become increasingly competitive and increasingly difficult to satisfy your customers' um, instant gratification requirements, especially coming out of the pandemic where everybody sat on the couch and ordered stuff and had it delivered to their house. Um, that is not going away. Like I, I never used Grubhub in 2018, in 2019, in 2020, until March of 2020, March 13th of 2020, all of a sudden Grubhub became a really important app on my phone. Right. And what's interesting is, is I'm in Austin, Texas, and this, you know, we, we think it's over. Uh, so, you know, as we've gone to restaurants and started to get back to our normal lives on Friday night, if I want food, I still go to my Grubhub app. Like that hasn't changed. Um, and so that the, 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 the fulfillment expectations that existed prior to COVID and what exists now are favoring what Amazon was trying to do. Um, and so if you're going to grow as a direct to consumer brand, and get the kind of traction that you want where you can start to reasonably um, offload some of your inventory to Amazon and, th and that's a workable for you. Um, 
but you're also retaining customers that come to your site and want to check out, you need to start figuring out what the best options are. And obviously you have to take, the, you have to consider cost in that. Um, so you've got to start looking at, you know, what are cost effective ways to get my product, my, my products, my inventory close to the, the clients. So I can get them as, get them there as fast and as accurately and as consistently as possible. Yeah, good. Thank you. Um, so as we close out, uh, I always give people a chance to do a shameless plug about anything you'd like to plug. Oh, I think I've plugged um, um, you know, I, I think that, uh, what I urge, uh, so I, I love working with merchants and I love the, the e-commerce space. Um, you know, uh, uh, I, I'm really looking forward to like shows starting up again and getting out and seeing, uh, like people like you, Brent, who the last time I saw you, I don't know if you remember this, you, you introduced me to a fantastic restaurant in Minneapolis, um, kind of Scandinavian cuisine. Uh, you know, getting out and seeing people again is, is going to be exciting. Um, you know, Ojai, uh, is going to be, uh, uh, is going to emerge on its own momentum just because people are looking for solutions like the one that we offer. Um, and so, uh, you know, we're already having so many great conversations and I'm very excited about, um, you know, uh, helping people figure out a very complex problem um, and making it simple for them so that they can grow their businesses and be successful. Excellent. Uh, Russell, it's been great talking today. Uh, this has been a super interesting conversation. Uh, and I, I guess I'm just going to go back and and stress to merchants um Check your fulfillment. Check your post, your your checkout process. Re-examine all those things all the time. Uh, it's not, the costs are are there, but you have to be aware of the psychology of the buyer, especially nowadays. Uh, and I would invite everybody to re-examine consistently and test consistently that process, um, and and make sure that they're keeping up with what's happening today. Uh, because like you said earlier, things change rapidly. Things change dramatically in March of 2020. And uh, we are going to be going into a new era as as we all get back to somewhat normality. Um, people are going to be used to some of those convenient in-home things that we've had to do, but somehow now have become quite nice to have just like grubhub <laughs> thanks Brian. Right, thanks a lot have a great have a great weekend you too bye-bye thank you again for listening my name is brent peterson and it has been my pleasure to be your host today please rate and subscribe to talk commerce new shows out every week